welcome to the Astra Economic Review. My name is John Eckstein. I'm the Chief Investment Officer of Astra Investment Management. I am joined today by my friend and colleague, Nick Porter. Nick, hello. Hey, John. We have a deluge of interesting economic data to talk about. We do. Due to our indolence and scheduling problems, we haven't been gracing your ears for a while. So we haven't actually even responded to this month's payroll number. So I think we'll go through the payroll number. And we're recording this on Thursday the 15th. CPI came out two days ago. Fed came out one day ago. So we've got, we'll probably focus on the inflation slash Fed complex. And before we get into the details, I'm going to say that my economy in a nutshell is I'm thinking, I'm feeling better about my soft landing prediction that the economy is going to slow and not go into a severe recession in 2023. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I mean, there's a wide range of probabilities out there, everything from a soft landing to harder landing to continued overheating to disinflation without a recession. I would say my base case for 2023, this is sort of our looking forward podcast in a way because it's the end of the year. I think my base case is probably for continued overheating and failing at that a soft landing. And the reason for that is simply that the U.S. consumer seems to continue to be strong. Inflation looks like it's relatively persistent despite the recent print we'll talk about. But I do think there's a scenario in which the Fed sort of achieves both its goals at the same time. Uh, yeah, let's try to come back to the idea of continued overheating. And if that's consistent with the Fed not getting much more aggressive in 2023. But the last labor market report released in 2022 came out, and it came out on the strong side of expectations. So the numbers are that non-farm payrolls were up 263 when we were expecting 200. That is very almost unchanged from the previous month. So the takeaway there is that there's no slowdown in the labor market that's visible right now. In fact, average hourly earnings were expected to increase at a more modest rate, and they gained momentum instead going up. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think you've, you've heard these anecdotes, particularly within the tech sector, of either slowing hiring or, or outright job losses. And you know, obviously, those weren't reflected in this report. There is sort of this idea of catch up that labor supply is really tight and so that industries that have been trying to hire for a while and maybe just sort of continuing to hire to fill open positions despite some cooling in the economy. Yeah. So some people think that there's labor hoarding going on. People are reluctant to fire because they don't want, because they had such a hard time hiring that there's a huge overhang of jobs being offered out there. And you know who one of those people is, Nick? You know who thinks that? You. Not so much me, but I was thinking more of Jerome Powell thinks that. That is true. That's, that's a segue right there. That's one of the things he said in his press conference yesterday, uh, repeated it several times about the idea of labor hoarding and the idea of a huge overhang in jobs available. I am on the record as being, as not really understanding why, you know, there's 6 million jobs being offered when there used to be 3 million. I don't think that all of that is real, but I'm in the minority on that. And Powell seems to be signing up to be a charter member of the Jolts Club, looking at the jobs offer and leaving survey that comes out midway through the month. Did you listen to Powell's press conference yesterday? Yeah, I did. I think the main takeaway, and just sort of to set the stage here, the Fed raised policy rates by 50 basis points, so half a percent, yep. which is right in line with expectations. 
And the question going forward is, what's the path of rate hikes to the terminal rate, which is probably somewhere around 5%, as best right. as we can That's, guess and as best as the Fed can guess. The terminal rate, the expected terminal rate went up. Right. So now it's up to 5.1%, which obviously we're not going to end up at 5.1%. We might end up at you know, 4.75. We might end up at 5.25. Who really knows? But I think the Fed's main message there was that, you know, if I'm reading between the lines, the market sort of gotten a bit of heads itself. Financial conditions have actually loosened over the past quarter or so, which is not really in line with the Fed's goal. And Al has reiterated in previous meetings, and certainly this meeting, that there is a need to be higher for longer that they are going to sort of stay the course. And that's a bit at odds with what the market is pricing with rate cuts in, in 2023. Yeah, so just specifically, if you will follow all the details, the Fed Funds futures market is seeing rate cuts in 2020, midway through 2023. I would interpret that as some sort of probabilistic chance of a severe enough recession that the Fed is going to be forced to cut rates in 2023. I think if... The market, the Fed doesn't expect to be cutting rates in 2023. Let's, let's just say that. They don't think that's going to happen. Powell said that explicitly. I mean, you could tell a story about that in the dot plots since they are focused at the end of the year. But Powell said they're not, they don't expect to be cutting rates. I think the most important thing is that he said that they're still not at a restrictive policy stance. They still have some, some way to go. Given the lags in interest rates, changes affecting the economy, they thought it's appropriate to moderate the pace of hikes. Yeah, I think that is a correct interpretation. And that's sort of why going forward, we'll probably see rate hikes more around 25 basis points, so a quarter of a percent, rather than the jumbo hikes that we've seen to date, just because they can afford to be a little bit more cautious. There is new evidence that price pressures are slowing. And so they can sort of see how monetary policy is going to work its way through the economy over the next you know, half of a year with slower rate hikes, just to be a little bit more cautious. Yeah. And he has said, again, that the labor market seems to slow. He was dividing up inflation into three buckets, goods, housing, and non-housing services. So in goods, we're seeing modest deflation. And to the extent that we get more deflation there, that's going to make the Fed's job easier. So this is sort of the long-awaited rebalancing team transitory argument, right? Like the we finally got a hand. The pattern of consumption changed during the pandemic. It still hasn't gone back, but markets have used price signals to adjust, and and now goods are back into their steady deflation mode. So now it's probably worth talking about the inflation print that we got. Headline CPI was up 0.1%. That was quite a bit lower than the previous month, just 0.4% month over month. That's 7.1% year over year. And core was quite a bit softer as well, down to 0.2% month over month. That's 6% year over year. And as you alluded to, that was really driven by core goods, which were down 0.5% month over month. And of course, energy prices, which were down 1.6%. And services were still pretty strong. Right. And so... In the services, if you break it down into housing and non-housing, uh, the way housing shows up is mainly like housing prices don't come in at all. Rent prices go in as even for people who aren't renting, the rent still counts. And so there's still rent increases that we know have happened that are waiting to go into the number. And then we know from the, the rental market that it's stop, it's not heating up as much. So what's baked in the cake already in the rental numbers is 
continued high numbers, but then transitioning to low numbers over the next six months. But non-housing services, Powell said that they're a function of the labor market, the labor market's strong, and that's why they've got to hike to yeah, get- Yeah, I mean, I think in his presser, and sort of generally speaking, they're, they're very focused on services, excluding rents, and there are some price drops in there and some price increases in there. But I think for the Fed, that's really a key component of CPI going forward. Right. So I think they'll stop when they see inflation going to 2%. And he said that there are no rate cuts until inflation is heading lower than 2% in a sustained way. And so nobody knows. Nobody knows what that means. So where we are is the Fed is trying to reduce the rate of hikes and at the same time trying not to give the market the green light to undo all the tightening that's already done. So as always, the Fed is trying to thread a needle and on its communications, it's trying to say, you know, we're still hawkish, but not be actually as hawkish. And in the larger goal, the, the needle is trying to thread is to get the employment rate up a little bit, but not too much. And those are both difficult, too hard tasks they've set themselves. Yeah, it is. And they've projected unemployment around 4.6 in 2023 as sort of the, the level that would be consistent with their longer-term goals for inflation. And that's a bit of a moving target. It's it's pretty hard to say that that's sort of the level at which inflation would normalize. But it does speak to their broader goal of loosening up the labor market as a necessary condition for softer PCE. And 4.3% unemployment would be up from today's 3.7%. So... Right. a modest but noticeable increase in unemployment. So right now, just to reiterate, we said a core CPI was 6%. So if it comes to next year, CPI has come down somewhat. So the core CPI is around 3%. The Fed's raised rates to 5% at that point. Say this is June of next year. Do you think the Fed cuts then, or do they are they happy to leave things at five if inflation is not accelerating, even though it's above target? I think at that point, the Fed has the luxury all of a sudden of looking at the second part of their, their dual mandate, which is full employment, right? And so if inflation is moderating and the labor market is still quite tight, they might leave rates approximately where they are. But if the unemployment rate has, say, gone to 3%, they'll probably be in a cutting cycle, right? You think the Fed could cut rates if core CPI was still at three? Yeah, I think they well, would simply because monetary policy would be getting looser, but not necessarily loose. We might, in that scenario, still have a pretty strongly positive real interest rate. And so they might want to bring that down to reflect the level of inflation falling. And so they would still be in somewhat restrictive territory, but less restrictive and maybe more appropriate for the, the general macroeconomic condition. Hmm. Interesting. I'm not sure they feel like they can cut rates with the CPI if core CPI is still at 3%, but maybe we will find out. So I want to bring back one more thing. You mentioned you see continued overheating as your modal forecast for next year. So is there a world where there's continued overheating, but the Fed stops at 5%? Or if there's continued overheating, does the Fed have to slap us all in the face a little bit, bring us back to reality? Yeah, I think there's a scenario in which they're happy to stay put. So let's say that policy rates gets to the 5% range and inflation has fallen to maybe 4.5%. And the underlying economy is still relatively robust, right? Consumers are still continuing to spend. I think the Fed would probably be happy to stay put at 5%, right? So a positive real interest rate. 
and just sort of see how things work their way through the economy. Of course, that is dependent on inflation that continues to look at its peak and is continuing to fall. But if CPI goes from 6% at the beginning of 2023 down to, say, 5%, 4.5%, I think the Fed will probably be happy to stay put and not get too far ahead of itself. Interesting. I think if there's a sign that inflation is not heading down to 2%, the Fed's going to have to act more aggressively than it's telegraphing now. But I guess we will see. I think we'll leave it there. If you'd like more of our economic analysis, your own reviews, you can check out the Aster website, AsterIM, that's IM for investmentmanagement.com. You can download the Aster Research app, or you can reach out to your Aster sales representative. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, John. To learn more about Aster Investment Management's research and strategies, please visit us on the web at www.asterim.com or stay up to date by following us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and our app is also available on the App Store and Google Play. Thank you. Aster Investment Management, LLC, is a SEC-registered investment advisor. All information contained herein is for informational purposes only. This is not a solicitation to offer investment advice or services in any state where to do so would be unlawful. Analysis and research are provided for informational purposes only, not for trading or investing purposes. All opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and subject to change, they are not intended as investment recommendations.